to the movie machine where we will take three creative individuals from the Hollywood industry and they will come up with a movie pitch based on a random prompt. Today I have a very talented trio with me. I have Alex Jeffrey, the script supervisor for Waiting for Guffman. And then I have Jacob Gulliver, the VFX supervisor on Hope Floats, and Ben Lifson, the B-Wrangler on The Wicker Man. <laughs> So, for our topic today, starting with our writer, Mr. Alex Jeffrey, you, sir, must pitch a movie. The theme of this story is noir crime. The main characters are a persistent acrobat and a nostalgic pretender. The major event of the story is guilt. And I'll put that in front of you so you may reference it as you wish. All and he has right. three minutes on the clock, starting now. All right, so... What I'm thinking here is that the setting is going to be 1930s, middle of the Depression, hmm. and it's in a rundown factory town. And we come to this man who is a, this nostalgic pretender guy. He's wandering through the town, hmm. and he comes across some hobo children. And the hobo children want to have a bedtime story. So he tells them the tale of the time he had his soul stolen by an acrobat who chased him across the nation back at the turn of the century. Hmm. But he deserved this soul stealing because he wronged the acrobat in some horrible way. And then we flash back to the 1900s. It's New Year's Eve and he's in a circus which is very badly lit. Mm -hmm. As the acrobat is the acrobat comes up to do their thing, and the pretender is has already broken into the, the circus because the pretender is actually a master criminal. Mm -hmm. He is broken in and is pretending to be the ringmaster, and he messes up their act somehow. Probably like misaims the trapeze so the acrobat falls and misses and breaks their legs. And the acrobat becomes Batman because <laughs> I think that's how the Flying Graysons died. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> so then, the acrobat has to get together a team of the world's greatest psychics so that they can steal the soul of this nostalgic pretender for some dark and nefarious purpose, which will eventually enable them to get their legs back. This film needs a title. Okay. You have ten seconds to come up with one. Okay. Uh, the title of the film will be... The Walking Man. <laughs> That's good. Five seconds over. Right. Very good. All right. So now our director has the script in hand, Mr. Ben uh -huh. Lipson, and he's going to bring his the script into life with his vision. And with his vision, he has three minutes starting now. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I'm thinking um, I really want to play up the whole, like, story time aspect of it. I think that was a really good uh, launching point 
Um, to make a differentiation, of course, we would do uh, black and white for the noir section, and uh, flashback would be in color. Uh, kind of a reversal of how it usually works, but um, I think people would appreciate that. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, I'm thinking, um, you know, and a really a big thing which I also like is let's really, you know, add some usual suspects homages to this. Um, you know, you're not 100% sure what parts of the stories are true. Maybe, you know, imply that he's just kind of making it up as he goes. You know what I mean? So, like, because uh, he's trying to, I think, uh, and this wasn't in the script, but I think a twist, good twist ending might be, you know, he's just trying to distract the hobos long enough for a sting operation. But anyway, but, you know, we can play around with that. But anyway, so um, I really think, um, yeah, the acrobats, I, we really need to get authentic acrobats. I don't want a differentiation between, you know, actors and acrobats because you you know, let's get Circus Soleil. I mean, I don't think they are in any movies right now. And um, they obviously have good stage presence. I mean, I've, I haven't seen them up close because, you know, you sit far away. But, um, but yeah, so going back there, um, you know, definitely, we'll definitely have um, the pretender narrating the, the story, obviously. Um, you know, noir aspects of that. And... Um, I don't know. I think uh, Kiefer Sutherland, maybe, I think could be a good pretender. I mean, he could probably do good uh, noir-esque. Um, but you'd have to show him as an older person, too, because, like, there's the noir and then him younger. Um, how Kiefer Sutherland, I don't know how old he is, like, 60, 42, I don't know. Um, so I think... Uh, you know, what we could do then is actually, you know, that's a good point. Let's make the, during the noir part, let's get someone like, a, you know, an older Kiefer Sutherland, like uh, Clint Eastwood's too old, but uh, somewhere in between though, Adam Baldwin, you could probably age him up a bit. I don't know. Pretty sure he's younger than uh, yeah, Kiefer Yeah, but Sutherland. that's what makeup is for. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, narrating that, um, I'm liking all the beats on this. Um, you know, I say let's cast it based on who's the best acrobat, who can best play the whole breaking legs thing. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like unknown actors except for this, you know, the, the star of the show. Yeah, 15 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, that's really my big <clears throat> thing is, you know, let's really make things more and more absurd as the story goes on, as he's, and, you know, the story just makes less and less sense and then he finally decides you know what i like batman let me throw this out these hobos probably don't know batman because it's new was batman new in the 30s no he wasn't i that's why i make movies <laughs> <laughs> it's time so our writer and director have made their pitch we have jacob gulliver producer is going to take their dreams and temper them into something that could be had in reality. Snap. So, tempering begins starting now. Alex, big fan of your work. Never read it, but I'm a big fan. I hear it's great. Uh, <laughs> Benny, haven't worked with you before. Here you're kind of a maverick. Let's get it done, okay? Let's make a movie. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm kind of digging the story where we're going here. we got this pretender guy. Um, interesting. I like the soul-stealing aspect. Uh, I'm not seeing the noir crime a whole lot given the... Uh, like the circus flashbacks and stuff, but I got a way we can capitalize on that. I think if we shift it away from like 30s noir crime, shift it back a couple decades, make it more of like a Victoriana steampunk sort of thing that's trendy with the kids these days, we'll make that happen. 
Um, I think that's going to work really, really well to bring in the crowds. Um, however, both more crime and uh, steampunk are, not, are sort of genre. They're sort of niche, you know. So I'm thinking maybe put it in the you know five five million dollar range somewhere in there. Maybe six if uh, you blow a dude. We'll find out if that happens or not. So we're um, talking indie film budget. Yeah, it's a little bit artsy to uh, sell to a big studio. Maybe Lionsgate. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of Keith or Sutherland, he's not the most expensive out there. Uh, I, would, I would imagine we can we can theoretically get him, especially if we're doing uh, you know nobodies for the rest of the the project. That's fine. We can do that. So uh, I'll start looking into that and getting that done. Uh, I'm thinking we're gonna need some authentic locations, probably somewhere in Europe, like uh, you know France or Germany, London. What else is in Europe? Greece? No, we're not doing Greece. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll think about that one. I'll I'll start putting together some locations for you here. Um, the other thing I'm not so sure about is the whole Batman thing. That's gonna be very expensive to to license Batman and uh, if we put him together with either noir crime or steampunk it's gonna mess with the rest of the flow here so I'm thinking uh, no Batman you're gonna have to deal with that one if you unless you're you're ready to dish out the uh, big cash to Warner Brothers so uh, yeah no Batman sorry Um, we can have like a a Batman stand-in get like a you know, a guy in a leather suit, maybe something with a hood. With a hood, yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I'm thinking probably need about a year, year and a half to make this picture. Um, I like the idea of using the real acrobats. So we don't have to spend as much money on special effects. I'll be good. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you guys uh, get started on, on making this picture. I'll send you the check tomorrow. And uh, let me know how it goes. Okay, guys? Cool. <laughs> All right. Writer, sir, you may make one change based on input from your director and producer to your script. He has more changes if he wants. Well, you, you can make as many changes as you can in this time. <laughs> so, three minutes beginning now. Okay. So, I see we've moved the location to Europe. And what we can do there is... If we can get it in France, we could set it against like the backdrop of the Parisian slums and have it also be like a commentary on the stolid nature of French society, hmm. where we have social stratification. The drifter is a guy who looks like he's an aristocrat, but he's kind of run down and beat up, and he comes across these Parisian orphan hobo people. and. He's telling them this story in the shadow of Notre Dame because that's always wonderful for commentary. And if we're not getting Batman, um, could instead have... Well, I mean, Batman was inspired by Zorro, and Zorro is Spanish, and Spain's, like, right next to France, so we could have a swashbuckling Spaniard-type hero guy. And now the acrobat is actually the son of a nobleman. And... It's his big break in the circus, and our pretender has actually been hired by the nobleman to ruin his son's dreams. And he does this, again, by pretending to be the ringmaster of the circus, 
but instead he burns the ropes and the sun plunges down and he has to and now he has to work his way back up the chain he has to find the guy who did this and then find out who hired him and he has to get revenge mm. because revenge is always a great motivator for characters yeah we have one minute would you like to hone your script anymore Bring some more dollars out of the audience. <laughs> I'm thinking that we need to have the final confrontation with the dead. When was the Arc de Triomphe built? Oh, who the hell cares? It's movies. No one will yeah. care. <laughs> okay. So the final confrontation needs to be on the Arc de Triomphe, silhouetted again by Notre Dame and the Eiffel Tower. This is set in 1900 still, right? Or are we going back even farther than that? No, that's good. Okay. Arc de Triomphe's left over from the Roman Empire, so you're... Okay. Okay, that's good. And then, like, they should be... The final triumphal shots would be, like, the silhouette of... The soldiers on the side of the Arc de Triomphe. I, I think one of them is getting stabbed at some point. I've never been to Paris. I assume they're stabbing. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right. All right. That is so, director. You've got input from your producer and your writer's done a revision. So now it's up to you to take those that feedback and create craft your film. So one thing I really liked in the script was um, it's kind of interesting how the point of view character kind of seemed to shift partway through uh, as he started to fall. Um, but you know, one thing that you don't 100% address is if the detective is or pretender is the one who's telling the story, like what his side of this is. So, but I'm thinking, why don't we do an homage to Citizen Kane? So he's telling the story, but he's also investigating the story. So like, this is his, so let's, let's cut, let's take the hobo end scene and put it in the middle and have that be the thing. You think that's the end of the story, but no, that's just the beginning. Or we could find out while he's at the place, it's actually the lead hobo is the acrobat who's actually pretending that would be the big plot twist at the end I, i'm sorry i know i'm kind of taking a little liberties here but but um so then the hobo would then be the one telling another story so you kind of have a yojimbo sort of thing i think it's called yojimbo i all japanese movie names combined together or something but anyway um so yeah you have then that side of the story and then um they meet up together and uh, at the you know final confrontation, um, and you, maybe you have the nobleman there too. So a third story, a third point of view, three point of view stories. Sorry, I banged the table, but three stories. Okay, uh, each one would be shot a different way. Obviously, um, I'm thinking the flashback, you know, noir or pretenders thing. You know, a bit darker, uh, a bit more, um, uh, you know, noir ish. Uh, acrobats can be a bit more colorful, you know, really use some of like the uh, promotional, you know, some of the promotional posters of the time. And uh, the nobleman, uh, I'm thinking really, you know, classical, classically shot, um, a gold filter maybe, you know, golden lighting. Um, one thing, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, not French. I don't know if he can pull off that accent. Um, now, that being said, I don't know any French actors who could pull us in. Uh, I can't really think of any French actors except for the guy from Godzilla. Um, 
The, the original one. I haven't seen the reboot. But Jean Reno? Yeah, that guy. Uh, Can we get French Canadians? Uh, I really don't want to. Um, <laughs> 30 seconds. But I think, you know, let's let's bring... Ke- I think we need to bring Kiefer Sutherland and make him do a read-through. I know that's not... Us- I mean, usually he just gets hired right away. But see how we can pull off... Uh, you know, obviously it's going to sound fake, but if it's the right kind of fake that people who don't know French think it's real, uh, it might work. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's a good backup Godzilla guy. That's all I know that he's been in. I think he was in Pink Panther. <laughs> <laughs> all right, producer, you've had your uh, creative team go at it again, so you, you get one last chance to dash their dreams upon rocks. Start not dashing their dreams. It's not dashing their dreams. I'm just trying to get this thing to make a little bit of money and uh, make sure that we go home with some some dollars in our pockets, right? Right? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, I, got, I got some great news and I got some bad news. The great news, uh, we'll start with that. The French Tourism Board is loving this idea for this film. It's old world and it's new world. It's uh, high adventure. It's got some you know good old-fashioned swashbuckling in it. <clears throat> And it's got that artistic shit that all the European people like. Uh, it's not selling super well with uh, American audiences, namely the the French and Spanish thing. It's got to be one because that's just going to confuse the crap out of you know Joe Southern. So <laughs> we gotta we gotta skip all that. It's just a French guy. French tourism board is going to give us a little bit of money. The problem with that is they um, they do actually have very specific restrictions about being able to shoot on uh, national landmarks. So we're gonna have some trouble getting those, which means we're gonna to have to increase that uh, VFX budget a little bit. So um, we uh, we're not gonna be able to get Kiefer Sutherland uh, if we do that. That's kind of the problem there. Now they have given us a pretty good deal. Um, they're gonna they're gonna cut us a, a deal on getting some getting some of those uh, licenses to the the famous French locations, um, and we can get Jean Renault, but we have to pay them more to do that. So that means our VFX can be a little bit smaller, effects are going to be a little bit eh, rough around the edges. But, you know, that's that's okay if we want to go that route. The other option that I've got, if we want to cut our losses, and I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys, this is all you. Um, so you're you're the geniuses, right? You know, you're the real artists here. So uh, if if we skip Jean Reno, if we skip Kiefer Sutherland, we can get all the money that we, we need from the government because uh, one guy showed up and said, I need this part, I need this part. His agent's been calling me nonstop. That man is Ashton Kutcher. So if we give it to Ashton Kutcher, we will all go home with a boatload of dollars in our pockets. And he will sell to American audiences no matter whether or not he is in a shitty French movie. (laughs) Right? So we can do that if you guys want. Um, You know, that's that's what I would do in your shoes. But, um, you know, it's not up to me, right? So, um... Yeah, in, in conclusion, I think um, I think we're going to make a, a thing that's going to sell pretty well in Europe, regardless of what we do, because it's got the you know big European stuff in it. People like they'll sell well to tourists and to you know middle-aged ladies, which is hard to get with an, an action movie because it's got you know fancy European locations in it. And uh, if we get somebody that uh, Americans recognize, it should sell pretty well in America too. So uh, yeah. Let's get it done. Let me know what you want to do, guys. All right. Yeah, five more seconds. You want to do anything else? Or are you nope. satisfied, producer? All right. So, based on what I've heard, 
this is this is how I predict this movie will go. I mean, you threw me for a loop, Ashton Kutcher at the end. That means you could at least initially build a movie as it's Ashton Kutcher's comeback in an elegant indie period piece. And then it will sell, that, sell as, and then people will see the movie and realize it's Ashton Kutcher in an indie <laughs> period piece. Um, and that's going to hurt it. So my prediction is the movie will be seen at the Toronto Film Festival because it's not quite classy enough for Cannes, or, and it's not really Sundance because they're more, you know, local, you know, United States films, but Toronto, and I'll get moderate reviews where there's some people that are just, it's Canada, they're too nice to really dump on Aston Kutcher initially, <laughs> so it gets released in 97 theaters nationwide where it makes $400,000 in box office, it's, it's kind of meekly, it's only in for about three weeks, and it just pulled, but then uh, it gains a cult following on the VOD among uh, film theory conspirists and yoga enthusiasts. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to make his money back that way and with Blu-ray sales as Cirque du Soleil shows it in Las Vegas. Because they're just going to have all the Blu-rays that you guys printed before the movie released in Toronto just sitting on a table at Cirque du Soleil and people will buy it for $5 when they get their $30 t-shirt. So you guys will make your money back and, and a tidy profit to maybe put an addition on your uh, Malibu Beach Home or whatever you decide. And that's, that's how I think that movie will do. And that is the movie machine with... Uh, there's uh, another round. You're supposed to give oh, us notes. That's notes? Oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I do not. That's what. All right. Um, so, well, yes. So, one more change. Based on that feedback I gave you, mm-hmm. how will you get this movie to come out of the doldrums of cult following and Blu-ray hell? <laughs> right. One minute? Two minutes for us? Two minutes. Yeah, two minutes each. Begin. Well, unfortunately, I feel like my vision's being compromised a little bit here. I guess this is why I'm not allowed on set. <laughs> um, well, if we really got to sell it to a wider audience, um, I don't know, man. Just, this is my baby. <laughs> well... I guess what we could do is, well, we're gonna have to depend upon Ashton Kutcher's ability to improvise <laughs> on set. I didn't mean to laugh at the words Ashton Kutcher and ability, but I did. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to have him improvise some good comedy dialogue to like keep a snappy pace, because, I mean, he can snark, right? That sells to kids. So, like, I guess he can... If he's the drifter, he can, you know, have, like, commentary over the thing because he's telling the story. But... <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Are you okay? Are, are you okay? No. This isn't okay! I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Would you like to add anything else? So, asking for your voiceover, that is your solution? <laughs> it's the only thing I've got at this point! <laughs> so, director, so the writer has, has written some very insightful voiceover. Mm-hmm. Well, I think delivered by an older sounding Ashton Kutcher. Maybe they haven't drink a bunch of whiskey. Well, I think the, so go. the issue is that we want people to actually 
you know, to see it. So any <laughs> anything special that we add here, you know, isn't going to help people come in. I think what is going to help it is we need more cool stuff for the trailer. So I don't know if this is going to affect Paris's park uh, board, but I think we need to burn Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> special effects, obviously, we wouldn't actually do it, but... You know, so we'll work that. We can work a scene in there where you know maybe during the final confrontation that'll look really dramatic. Um, you know, Notre Dame is aflamed and all burning, and you know we could even throw in like a cool line for the trailer too, where it's like, like Notre Dame is burning. It's like, you burned me first, son, or something. I don't know. I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll workshop it, but uh, I think yeah, we really need to add you know a little bit more action. You know. It doesn't have to be everywhere, just a few sections here and there. Um, Circus Soleil people, you know, I don't know if they use swords. I'm sure they can. I mean, they can do all sorts of weird stuff. So I'm sure they can have a fight or something. Make it be part of the show, you know? Pyrokinetics. You know, we can justify anything if we say it's part of the circus thing. It's the show within the show. So, you know, more action, more uh, the big fire thing. We got it. Just, we got to make a really, really cool trailer is the big thing for this and um you know the trailer probably won't show off the character building or the other cool stuff i mean but the audiences will be thrown for a bit of a loop when they come in and see that it's a completely different movie than was sold to them i mean i think they'll like that i think i don't know i'm not in charge of that but anyway um and yeah that's my big change is you know we got it let's throw in a bit more mainstream stuff in here you know, uh, I think we can still keep the creative vision, though. It just, it won't be there in certain parts, but it'll be there at other parts. So the roller coaster thingy there. All right, that's your time. <laughs> All right, producer, your final word, two minutes. All right, guys, uh, don't ask me how I did it. I managed to pull out a deal. I'm going to explain exactly how I did it, by the way. <laughs> So, uh, Alex, you're going to have to blow a guy, and I'm going to have to smuggle some coke out of Mexico. But, um, so here's what we got. <laughs> Jean Renault is going to go back as the, the main guy, thank God. Uh, I, those test groups were not liking it. Uh, but uh, Ashton Kutcher is still super marketable, so we're going to keep him in as, like, the shitty American sidekick friend for Jean <laughs> Renault. <laughs> so like the American trailers will have more of him and like the all the international trailers will have more of Jean Reno and like no Ashton Kutcher at all. <laughs> so I think we're gonna we're gonna be able to pull that off and really sell it to the right crowds that way. And uh, I think that's gonna do us great for this this project here. Alright. Um anything else you'd like to add? So that's my one change. Alright. All right. <laughs> So, based on these changes, um, my original prediction was not pick, barely picked up out of the Toronto Film Festival and shuffled onto Blu-ray and VOD and security. What you've made, so what this movie has become is it appeals to both the Americans and the European audiences, oddly at the same time for completely different reasons, <laughs> and none of them can explain it. So the film will get a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 4.5 yeah, and a 4.5 on IMDb, causing even more internet free, for driving people to see it at theaters for the first weekend. So the first weekend, you're probably going to release it, you know. April, May, the kind of downtime where, you know, you guys shuffle like... Not on a Marvel little, year, though. Not on a Marvel year. Um, we're shuffled, and it's number two in the box office that weekend. Unfortunately, it's... it's You're going up against Paul Blart 3 that mm. weekend. So you're number two. Paul Blart brings in 18.3 <laughs> million, and you only bring in four and a half, which is good for second 
on the weekend. And then after a few more, you make your money back plus a million or so in theaters, and then you still get the good Cirque du Soleil Blu-ray and everything. So you all take home a tidy sum to buy a second Malibu Beach home instead of just the edition. And that, my friends, is The Man on Legs. <laughs> Brought to you by the movie machine. <laughs> <laughs>